0: This is the Be Helpful Podcast, where conversations with budding entrepreneurs prepare you for the wild journey of building a business or side hustle. I'm Boy Adebayo, and welcome back to the Be Helpful Podcast. And we're going to pick back up on our conversation with Mira Taylor, who owns a wellness business where she's a therapist and also a wellness consultant to a lot of small business owners and, and entrepreneurs. Um we're going to dive back in, we'll, we'll, talk a little bit about father time. We're also going to talk about Mira's experience and how she's connected her own spirituality with her business practices. Um, and then we're also going to start having a conversation about, um, wealth and our relationship with money, which I think is also a very interesting and important conversations, conversation for entrepreneurs. So let's jump back into the conversation. And as always, leave a review and a comment letting us know what you learned. The Be Helpful podcast is brought to you by Yensel. If you're looking for an easy to start side hustle with zero upfront cost, visit yensel.com. Yensel allows you to sell documents online. You can finally make money off of that spreadsheet that you made for your wedding or that travel itinerary you made for your last vacation. You can upload your documents and start selling in less than 10 minutes. Visit yensel.com to start your side hustle today. I, I, I really like that. And, and I wrote down a couple things because it's like you, you're, we just recently met, but it's kind of like, you know, me for a while <laughs> that, um, you know, a friend and business coach of mine, shout out to coach Kiki. Um, one of the things that we talk about is me being more kind to myself and, and me, you know, writing down each day you know something i achieved right um because that definition or, or telling yourself that you are successful not that you will be successful i think is also a very powerful mind kind of mindset shift that i myself am working through um and so so no i i i appreciate that and i appreciate that framing of getting to know your own voice because there are things in my mind that, you know, I absolutely know are mine and there are all the things that I am giving more people people's voice weight that probably shouldn't happen. Um, and, it, and it's also altering my decision-making and also it is compounding with my challenges with time and how I, how I think about time. So all of that resonates. It's, it's really powerful and helpful.
1: Well, so I think you'll probably appreciate this as we talk about or or understand the nature of our relationship with time as an expression or understanding at a a more deeply uh, psychological or spiritual level as a representational awareness of our relationship with one of two things, ourselves, and because so many people have an archetypal association or belief uh, of time being father time, with the relationship we have with someone who was a paternal or is a paternal figure in our life Uh, so it speaks very specifically to a nature of understanding that says okay what does my relationship with time feel like right now does that feel successful or unsuccessful in my body right and what can i do to change my relationship with myself in my own mind to change the nature of the experience of time that i have This becomes very important in our capability to get in uh, what is referred to as flow state for people, which is basically sitting in a state of intellect where it's just happening for you. You kind of let go of trying to force it and it just sort of happens or breathes through you. But for that to be able to happen, you have to be able to have a very trusting relationship with time, which means you have to be able to have a trusting relationship with yourself. So even building affirmations about having a trusting relationship with time or I trust myself and the way that time provides and I believe in the concept of synchronicity. You know, it would be a basic affirmation that I use for myself uh, on a daily basis, but that other people can build into their uh, daily regimen or, or awareness of self because the more you integrate or repeat those things, the more they get subconsciously embedded and the more they project as a truth for you so that you can actually get to experience them that way
0: it's powerful. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. approach, I'm going sure to try it. Um so so I, I want to talk a little bit, you know, with, with with about your business and your experience as an entrepreneur and and kind of this journey that you've been on um helping people and then also trying to run a business. And so one of before we jump into the business, I'm very curious about um, and, and you can take Moon and Rune as an example, the connection that you've made with your spirituality and your practices and your brand and your business and, and, and how that influences your strategy and how you approach it. Uh, I'm just curious on kind of how you thought through that.
1: So one of the main uh, factors of my business has been to really get people in line with uh, wisdom again. So knowledge is a wonderful thing. And we get all sorts of knowledge, right? We get all sorts of information on a daily basis about our business, about the world, about ourselves, how they interact with each other. But without wisdom, which is more rooted in sort of that feminine or subconscious mindset, the irrational, uh, we aren't necessarily able to have the wisdom to make the moves that we need to make. Uh, So this really gets in line with the understanding of providing yourself with that appreciation for the spiritual intellect being intuition uh, and and instinct again. So for example, my logo uh, I chose and, and the name of my business I chose as sort of an ode to metaphor itself, as an important part of, you know, self-awareness and of spiritual intellect, which is the irrational intellect, technically, uh, if you use psychology terms, which is to basically look at moon, okay, as what, you know, what is the moon? As an archetypal uh, experience, most of us appreciate it as feminine. Of course, this depends on the language you speak, and there's all sorts of interesting psychology behind that. Uh, But that in general, the moon is something we view as reflective or maternal. Uh, And then rune is from understanding things like runic languages uh, again or um, sort of more symbolic languages again and how this helps us see the larger signs of the universe uh, that go back to even ancient practices like uh, Taoism or Buddhism that are very actively used uh, in uh, Asian nations, you know, China especially, that have seemed to have been things that provide for that far more sustainable capacity of success in business, uh, that, you know, that also really helps you have that nature of relationship of time that is just far better.
0: And I like it. I take it. Um, you know, I wish, I wish for my business, I had such a deep, <laughs> a deep connection to, 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 the name of it. Um, but, but no, I, I dig it. I think that that is.
1: Oh, well, I can help. Uh, that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i would i would i would imagine that there's there there's a level of pride and and that comes with with something so deeply rooted so so i i like that i, I do I, I like that a lot um yeah, ironically I think about you know my my consulting business i named it after the neighborhood i grew up in and there's not something that i kind of overly think about but even when i first told my 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 mom about it she was just like huh she just kind of chuckled. She was like, huh, interesting. And, and it, it did kind of resonate with her as well. So so I, I do think about, um, I, I think that there's there's a lot into a name and, and it's cool. I've never thought about the moon like that. Right? <laughs> so, so it, you know, well, it's cool to think about. That.
1: It depends yeah. on the language you speak. Like, yeah. so, you know, language is so much more important to the nature of business than we oftentimes give it credit for. Uh, One of the spiritual intellects as an expression of language that some people who are religious or just sort of uh, centered toward toward that sort of concept or mind that becomes important in business, especially for entrepreneurs, is the the concept or sentiment of what we refer to as charisma. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our charisma is very much rested in what I refer to as our wise way. And the only way we can really get wise is if we get more deeply rooted within ourselves and in the purpose or experience of why our business is an expression of our personal sense of purpose. You know, when we have a personal sense of purpose, we feel much more cared for uh, in, in a way that, you know, feeds a part of ourself that oftentimes we think is a hunger in other ways that only that sense of purpose uh, can feed. So, you know, just even as a silly example, right? If you... Uh, if you believe that you have to work incredibly hard for your money, right? This is a language that we use to express a pretty normative belief about what's moral or immoral about how we make our money. But at the same time, we use language to have a standard for others who make passive income where we're sort of idolatrizing them. You see how language becomes this thing, uh, both externally and internally that builds not necessarily congruent beliefs and in that way, not necessarily fair beliefs. Cause the reality right. is if you could sit on a beach in Cancun and be having passive income off of, you know, uh, the stock market, you'd probably be cool with that. Right?
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. But if you've got a subconscious belief uh, at a morality level, which is a spiritual level, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that place of wisdom that, oh, that's, you know, you have to work hard. If you don't work hard for money, it's somehow, you know, leaning toward immoral. And these become usually very subconsciously expressed beliefs for us, but it doesn't work for us, right? Yeah. If we if we want that, if we want that, that passive income, that smarter, not harder life, we have to be willing to have that wisdom to internally observe and say, huh, well, I know I believe that, but where is it rooted and why? And do I use that standard for everyone? Usually no, right? Because most of the people that we like, we appreciate people who are motivated and hard, you know, that are willing to put in the work for what they do as a purpose, but it doesn't necessarily have to be difficult or hard. Uh, So even the nature of understanding or kind of getting down into the minutia of, well, what does it mean for me to work hard? And how can I update that to appreciate it in a way that now also provides for me accepting my alignment with success in the present moment? You know, these, These become very important things for every person to learn about, but especially for young entrepreneurs that are trying to get a business off the ground and, and really keep it flying.
0: Yeah, no, it's really interesting because, because as you said that I was thinking about my own psychology around it and like the, the words I use. And I do, I do believe that there's a value in working hard. Um, I also think that I have—I would say that I have a pathology that I always want to work. I wouldn't necessarily say that I want to work for money. And I think that there's like this, diff this, this, when you said it, there was like a shit to my mind. It's just like, okay, well, yeah, I would love to have passive income and I would love to, you know, not have to stress about money or think that in order to make money, I have to do something with my hands. Right. But at the same time, I don't think that I would enjoy sitting on a beach for an extended period of time, not doing anything, even if my finances were taken care of. There's some level of um, very deeply ingrained passion for being productive, um, and passion for being able to challenge myself and work towards something, even if the reward isn't money. So it is interesting, even just in this you know, slight moment to sit back and think about my motivations and the language I use around it. Uh Uh-oh, I can't hear you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you now.
1: One of the things that, you know, I I spend a lot of time actually studying religion. So right now I'm studying every major world religion um, through Harvard Divinity School and a lot of things about, you know, justice and money and morals, markets, things like that. The reality is that the word wealth uh, is something that actually predates money. Meaning that wealth is a word that is rooted in spirit or, or in that understanding of what it means to be a wealthy person as a personality or as a behavior, more so than anything to do with money or, you know, things, right? These are, that happens over time. Money is a representation of wealth, but technically it's something that still follows that flow right? There's a reason they call it currency. And that wealth is something that is more rooted in spirit or consciousness. So the reason this becomes important is that I find that it's incredibly important for each of us to make the time to really sit down and think about, okay, what about me do I consider wealthy or wealthy traits, you know, wealthy traits or behaviors? How can I actively define and appreciate and believe in, the wealth that I am, my, I am this as wealth, not money as wealth, right? Money is a response to you as wealth, as a behavior of wealth, but that money itself is just representational, right? You as your beingness or you and your relationships or you and the people that you work with are wealth as an expression of your experience of yourself as, as as, uh, you're kind of walking, talking, breathe in being, right? So wealth is a beingness more so than it is a number in a bank account, for example. And this becomes important because most of us, when we hear the word wealth, you know, what are the images that pop into mind, right? It's usually something that we've placed outside of ourselves or that's represented by something that might be like a little bit idolatrous, right? You know, you might think of uh, a person, a famous person, a big house, know stacks of cash right um whatever it may be but that in doing so again you're doing that thing where it's defined actively and imaginally um from your mind as something that's separate from you and yeah. there's nothing wrong necessarily with wanting those things right as a result of us being wealthy but that the reality is you kind of have to reverse engineer it psychologically to say okay nope I'm the epicenter of wealth that attracts in wealth to me and how do I actually define and own wealth as that nature of being as opposed to, you know, I'll be wealthy when. Uh, so, you know, for me, my wisdom, my intelligence, my sense of humor, um, my kindness, my compassion, my, my sense of justice, right? These are all things that I've defined actively, my sense of morality and fairness. These are things that I actually define as sentiments Or experiences and expressions of what I own as me, Mira Taylor, wealth. Uh, That expression of wealth, my I Amness as wealth. Uh, But the average person doesn't do this. So again, it just becomes important to make the time to think of yourself as wealth itself, and then all of a sudden, you feel wealthy, and that genuinely attracts in other things that you might have defined as wealth. And this can include relationships. You know, I think for the entrepreneur, especially when you're starting out, you know, money as an experience or expression and attraction of wealth isn't the first thing you always experience. And if you define that as wealth or success, you might sort of have a difficult time starting out. But if you define things like healthy relationships or, you know, relationships that connect you with a particular community or a particular sense of yourself, you know, if there's a friend you have that every time you hang out with them, they help you feel confident that's a wealthy relationship right and in the end it will result probably in monetary gain but you got to be willing to make that effort to first say okay how do i define it in a way that results in money but isn't necessarily entangled in the concept of money in a way that makes you know makes wealth feel difficult or, or out of reach to me
0: yeah no that's a, a it's well put and uh, there was a a previous guest, one of their questions was, you know, about how do we think about money? And then you. I think you put it very well in terms of the psychology around money and how um, you kind of think through it. So, so I appreciate that perspective. One thing, talking more about your experience as an entrepreneur um, that I'm very fascinated with, my sister-in-law, my brother and sister-in-law have a um, their their uh, mental wellness practice as well. And so I'm curious about the unique challenges that kind of being a practicing therapist has right? um, because you are um, you're pouring into people. Right. Um, and you're helping guide them through some some of their tough emotional um, situations. And I'm curious about how you manage, you know, not taking on that stress, and then also managing your own emotional roller coaster or stress that may come with being an entrepreneur. Like, how do you find that balance?
1: So for me, it's gotten to a point of understanding because I'm a pretty deeply empathic uh, and and actually pretty deeply psychic person, as an experience and expression of. Uh, my empathic abilities. And for me, it's been about learning that I am more so like, you know, I will experience the nature of a psyche of someone like my client within me and through me, as an example. And I will sit in observation of that and make the effort to, and there's a reason uh, for me, I think it's funny, you know, the medium uh, that you put in a Petri dish, for example, as the stabilizer for, let's say, like a molecule you want to study is how I work for my clients. Mm. So a lot of times I sit in self-observation in that, okay, whatever is empathically aligned through me or embodied through me is something that I as the medium am stabilizing so that I can study and observe it. But that doesn't, even though I am in, in the nature of being an instrument for the expression of that psyche or that spirit, it doesn't mean that I am that spirit It's something that I'm, you know, being an instrument for. So it's very similar also to how you might say that, you know, a flute is the instrument, but that doesn't mean that every song that plays through it becomes the flute itself, right? The flute is what you play through it. Right. So these all become natures for me as a therapist um, and, and as someone who works in that capacity as a, as a subconscious Um guide and and experiencer of those empathic natures to own, okay, most of what happens in me or through me when I'm with someone like a client is for me as internal self to observe and understand on behalf of the client so that I can give them back an awareness of what my intellect as observer, even of my own self, can provide for them as the individual that I'm observing within and through myself. So the majority of the work that I do is internal, actually, because of the nature of how I experience my clients, but it becomes something where I can easily compartmentalize in a healthy way what's mine and not mine. Um, And a lot of that also has to do with a willingness to sort of slow down the mind, again, that relationship with time, and own an, an awareness of thoughts happen, but not every thought that happens in my mind is necessarily mine. Thoughts are just thoughts. Uh, yeah. So this you know, this also plays back into that concept of imposter syndrome, which is, okay, if that thought occurs, just because it happened in my mind, I don't necessarily have to own that it's my thought. You know, for the empath especially, and I actually find that this is an important archetype within leadership that isn't really uh, given its due in organizational settings, because most people don't know how to be an empath properly, they usually just get used uh, by emotions because they think every one of them is their own. Mm-hmm. Knowing that you can be that sort of medium, that petri dish, right, that stabilizes the molecules in the room that are the other psyches so that you can study them becomes highly beneficial, uh, whether you're a leader in a larger business or an entrepreneur that's, you know, in a meeting with other entrepreneurs. It really lets you own. Uh, the natures that are present and also individualize them in a way that can help you appreciate, okay, this person felt most successful to me or this mm-hmm. person felt a little off so that you can make better uh, intuitive decisions for yourself, better wise decisions for yourself.
0: Yeah. So so I'm, I'm curious. This is fascinating. So you're an incredibly thoughtful and mindful person. I can kind of tell and it's, it's incredible. Like I'm trying to, I'm very curious about your experience with entrepreneurship. Cause again, I think in reference models, and I'm trying to compare it to mine just as like a thought exercise. And so I'm curious when you're working on your business, right? This is kind of dealing with the general businessy stuff of your business. Are there moments that you feel um, uncomfortable or challenged or you feel that (laughs) mundane, like this is not what you really wanted to sign up for? (laughs) Or, Or do you tend to like just take it with in stride of like this is this is part of me living in my purpose. Like, I'm curious on how you think about that because, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur comes with a lot of tasks that aren't what you actually decided you wanted to do with your life.
1: (laughs) Okay. So, you know, for many of us, we, this is a metaphor I've used for myself that I think is beneficial to everyone, which is, you know, to make a gem or, or a precious stone truly worthwhile, oftentimes we need to Grind it, shape it, and polish it, okay? Mm -hmm. That means that it requires, for that true worth of that gem to be known, abrasive forces, right? Mm -hmm. So there are days where I experience abrasive forces, and I own the nature in which, basically, I'm saying, okay, well, the sandpaper grit's a little heavy today, but... Let me see how I can hone myself against it. Let me see how I can shape this gem better or polish, uh, you know, polish this stone that is that is me against it better. Um, and so this is why I also find that the spiritual intellect of, of appreciating the metaphors of nature and the natural world as reflections of ourself, even within a business, are important. So, you know, I'm no longer someone who's frustrated because I faced a
0: all right.
1: Yeah, we'll just keep trying. You know, fits, <laughs> in, fits in perfectly, uh, maybe a little too perfectly, with the nature of what we're talking about, as far as the polishing nature of a challenge. But right. let us both be uh, polished by it. Right,
0: exactly. Um, all right. I, I do have I have one more question, and then I have some quick hitters uh, that we can wrap with. Um, thank you. I know we're over time, so thank you for staying long. Um, I have two questions. No, just one question. The other one's a quick hitter. So, for you, I'm curious. I don't want to phrase this. For you, how do you think about what your day or what you want your day to look like five years from now?
1: Um, You know, I'm careful to try and force a sense of what I want things to be in the future from the present, knowing that, you know, me as I am now, looking back four years ago, if I had been trying to force the present moment now, I wouldn't have it. So I think it's important for people to have goals, but to sort of own, you know, again, what we talked about as far as those wealthy traits and qualities, and having a sort of overarching sense of purpose that's evolvable instead of trying to force an idea of where you think you want to be five, five years from now from the right now. You know, so for the average person, if you think back to who you were four years ago, would you want that person thinking for you right now in the present moment?
0: <laughs> it's an interesting, it's an interesting flip of the way to think about it. Um... There are aspects of yes and there are aspects of no, for sure.
1: Yeah. You know, There there are core values of who you were four years ago, right, that have gotten you where you are and that are important, but you've also evolved a lot in four years. So for me, it's basically about owning that, you know, I might have a goal that I want to achieve. And one of the things I teach with mindfulness is visualization. And you can sort of engage with the mind as, a time machine in this way, in that, let's say there's something you want for yourself five years from now, and you sort of want to check in on how open or not open that door to your future is, based on what you're doing in the present moment. You would sit down in a meditation and try to open the door to that future, to see visuals of yourself, you know, in that office, on that stage, on that podium, getting getting that big paycheck, whatever it is and see how easily the mind opens that door provides for that so that is how i suggest people engage with it as opposed to trying to force it so let's say you have a goal that you want for yourself and it's not so easy to like visualize that in your mind it's not you know you can kind of see it but it's fuzzy it feels like you are really having to tug at that door to get it open this is a sign for each of us to say okay What am I doing right now that isn't aligning me with that door just being swung right open for me? Mm. Right. So we get all sorts of doors to the future, but that when you practice this, it becomes very beneficial because then it helps you see, okay, this is the future I want for myself. And right now it's either easy to see, okay. That tells me that what I'm doing is got me on that path or trajectory and that I should keep on keeping on with that. Or it's not easy to see. And why don't I introspect and have some self-awareness about what it means to get back in alignment with that door being, that visual being far easier for me to engage with uh, inside of my own mind as a conscious, present awareness of the future you're hoping for for yourself. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting and
0: useful wrinkle on how to think about goals. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to sit and reflect on that because I think that there's... I'm a very goal-oriented person and I think you're right there there's an aspect of it that needs to be moldable and you know can evolve as I grow but making sure that my goals aren't an obsession of my present day and trying to force the future right um, yeah that's a really interesting wrinkle oh yeah well so this over. is
1: why when we define a sense of purpose Our ego has a tendency to want for specificity, but our self can hope for something that is not necessarily vague, but more overarching as a theme for yourself, right? So my, my purpose for being is to help create a centeredness and peace in a sustainable way that helps uplift spirituality in my own life and for the life of my clients. And there are a lot of different ways I can do that. That's sort of that core overarching sense of purpose that becomes very evolvable and adaptable. But right now in the present moment, I might have some specificities that I'm approaching for that, which is, you know, for me, marketing my business through podcasts more or reaching out to new clients directly or writing my brains magazine and articles, right? Doing my newsletter. These are more specific aims uh, or trajectories in the present moment that provide for, a larger overarching purpose, but that if three years from now I'm not doing those things to meet that purpose, it's okay. The centeredness of the purpose is still sort of that compass that's guiding me through life in a way that feels sustainable and approachable over time.
0: I do. It. it. makes sense. All right, let's, let's, let's wrap with some quick hitters, um, uh, and feel free to elaborate if you, if you would like, um, but there'll be a little bit of rapid fire. What are misconceptions that you had about entrepreneurship or things that you wish you
1: knew before you started? Um, I would say one of the bigger misconceptions about entrepreneurship is that it's like a lonely hard road. You know, Mm. I've made such deep friendships, uh, not just through my clients, but also through the other folks I have met uh, who are in that same boat with me that have made it feel like I know more people who understand, right? So I think that, that that's probably the biggest misconception is that you know we have we have sort of this commonplace belief that is that false boundary of fear for most entrepreneurs who are looking to leave, uh, you know maybe a corporate or a, you know larger enterprise business setting for entrepreneurial natures that you'll be alone, that you know you won't have what you need, etc. And all I can say is it's beyond not true that you will build deeper friendships, that you'll feel more understood and that those are wealthy experiences to have that will draw more wealth. And that it also provides you with a space of confidence that you don't necessarily get from working in a business or an enterprise or an organization because it becomes about how you provide those things for yourself from an internal standpoint as opposed to those exterior accolades. So those were the biggest misconceptions that it would be difficult, that I'd be alone, that you know, it would be emotionally uh, harder than the job I had before in, in the government. None of those things were true, and, and I'm happy to share those truths with others so that they can have the confidence to step into those truths and natures for themselves in entrepreneurship. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's interesting because I, I've I've said it all in podcasts, and I've I've made the comment that entrepreneurship is lonely, and I. I think a lot of people tend to feel that way. But hearing your response and your answer, I think I will probably adjust my, my statement some more. I think when I became a full time entrepreneur, I started missing coworkers, and I had to be very intentional about seeking out interactions and connections. And I 100 percent agree with you that I'm building much deeper relationships and connections with folks. Um, because I was intentional about seeking them out. It wasn't just the person to the cube next to me, right? Like I'm now talking to strangers, interacting with people, learning about what they're doing. They're learning about what we're doing. And and there's this kind of support system that is built that I kind of created.
1: So I, I, I absolutely under, uh, understand what you're saying, even
0: though I've constantly been like, Man, entrepreneurship can be lonely if you're just working from home every single day. Um, but if you you do have the autonomy and the freedom to kind of create your own community and, and avoid it being lonely. So I think it's a very good perspective. Uh,
1: absolutely. And in entrepreneurship you no longer have to have any of those more forced relationships that can right. be more difficult or more, more uh, disturbing to flow state, for example, uh, when when you're in an organizational setting where, yeah, it's nice that you have coworkers, but you also don't really get a choice of who those coworkers are or who you're working with necessarily. And when you're an entrepreneur, you get to be far more decisive about that, which is also a nature That becomes uh, an intellect of judgment for yourself that builds confidence and that helps you get more in tune, uh, again, with your intuition and your instinct as an individual for yourself, for your business, and for whatever potential community um, or friendships and relationships you build because of your entrepreneurial uh, efforts, basically.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, what books would you recommend to other entrepreneurs?
1: Uh, So there's a very wonderful book uh, by a gentleman named Andrew Wallace, and it's called Business Alchemy. And it basically speaks about a lot of the things that I work with as uh, a wellness consultant for entrepreneurs or or larger businesses, which is that it teaches you how to really think about business from a more heart-centered place and engage in the heart intellect so that you can have a part of yourself that is centered in purpose that feels heartfelt and how important that is. Um, But it's also about understanding. It's a wonderful book that teaches you about the nature of business as organism, basically, which is something that I've written an article about, but that, you know, instead of your business just being sort of this unreal static thing that is representational, now it's this living breathing thing that you're taking care of that you can have that uh dialogue or or relationship with and that you can understand at a more spiritual level because all of a sudden now it's an organism that has its own ego its own personality its own behaviors and and you start to understand the things that feed it or don't feed it uh that benefit or harm it and it becomes far more personal for each of us to, to, to kind of think of it that way so that would be a book i would recommend is um business alchemy it's, uh, I think the under underlier of that is The Unseen Inner Dynamics or Workings of, of Business by Andrew Wallace. Um, and then another one I would say is, you know, quite honestly, find some form of book that you feel like you can have an intuitive relationship with, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I feel called to buy my books often in my life. I was actually called to a book uh, today, Uh, Woman with a Sword, which is about uh, Ella Anna Harris, who was the private confidant for Lincoln during the Civil War, Mm. and also just a wonderful book historically. But, you know, from a spiritual aspect, my intuition engaged with uh, that book as an expression or extension of myself that was providing for uh, something I was learning in one of my Harvard Divinity courses. So Mm. the thing I would say is if there's a book you have a special relationship with, Reread it and actually try and engage with it as a way to see the signs of uh, you know what's doing well or not well for your business. A lot of times, the stories we love best becomes this you know become the stories we enact or embody. And so, yeah. as your business is an expression of you, it so too will act like an embodiment of uh, some of those favorite stories you, you might love from growing up.
0: I like it. I like it, and we're gonna add it to the to the library that we have on the website, which is awesome um my next question um what's a question that you would ask the next guest or you would have me ask the next guest
1: oh okay I not to be cliche about it but what's the favorite question you've ever been asked and why uh hmm. reason being that this is actually, you know, for me as a therapist and as a consultant, I have found that the best way for me to work in that capacity is to learn how to ask the best question or the right question that gets those eureka moments. So my question for the next guest would be, what's been your favorite question that's gotten you like a big aha uh-huh, eureka moment for yourself that's been uh, that's been life-changing?
0: Okay, now what's what's been that question for you?
1: Um, so... Most of them are cones, actually. So Zen cones are riddles that Buddhist monks use to open their minds uh, to, you know, basically the irrational mind or that spiritual mind, that spiritual intellect that allows for an appreciation of new information. Uh, This is actually a really wealthy quality for the mind and something that really benefits us. So uh, one one of the cones that was really interesting for me, just even as a therapist, is how can something be maybe, you know, weak and strong at the same time. From the therapeutics perspective, the emotional perspective, uh, the psychology perspective, the ability to be vulnerable is something that is both Weak because we're being vulnerable and strong at the same time, because oftentimes when we're vulnerable, it provides uh, for deeper strengths. So if you're yeah. someone who wants that, those fun, eye-opening questions and cones, and, and that's something I share on my Instagram a lot, uh, uh, are things that you can work with that are really eye-opening as that sort of question for yourself.
0: Awesome. Well, Mira, this has been amazing. The last question is t- where can people find you? Where can people reach out and connect with you?
1: So uh, I have a personal Instagram, which is Mira Taylor Wellness, and I post all sorts of uh, stuff there that has to do with my business, but also just personal fun things. You can also find me on my business Instagram, at Moon and Rune Wellness, and at my website. Uh, www.moonandrun.com and there are all sorts of just like your website uh loads of free resources fun resources to uh you know worksheets that i've created journal journal prompts etc that people can work with to sort of get their mind going in those directions that's
0: awesome well thank you this has been amazing
1: Uh, well thank you and i appreciate the uh the polishing effect we had of uh things cutting in and out, but uh, you know, we've had the challenge and, and we're both shinier jumps for it. So I'm very excited to have your audience listen to this and for uh, what we end up doing next for the miniseries. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: All right. That's a wrap with our conversation with Mira Taylor. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, leave a review and comment letting us know what you learned. Make sure you tune back in next week where we're going to sit down with Yenin Baker, who has an incredible story um of just triumph and overcoming so many odds um being sentenced to prison for 12 years and coming out of it and creating a nonprofit where he's making an incredible impact with with children so as always if you are a small business owner or entrepreneur and you're looking to tell your story or you're looking for resources that can help you or just want to listen to relatable entrepreneurs make sure that you visit our website at www.behelpfulpodcast.com. We have a ton of stuff available to you. And if you want to tell your story, make sure you fill out our interest form and we will reach out to you. All right, thanks guys. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit behelpfulpodcast.com for more content, tools, and resources that'll help you along your entrepreneurial journey. Thanks for listening and see you next time.